Hi, this is Pete Preston, and you're listening to the Dear Video Podcast. Today, we're joined by Nathan Richer, the video production manager at Ruger Firearms. Nathan has some great stories about shooting video of others shooting guns. He also talks about how you can use video to provide good customer service and good customer care, and also how you can use video to mentor your customers if they're new to your brand, your service, or your products. We also talk about how, as a creative, it's important to take time off and give your mind a break and how Nathan goes about doing that. All right, let's hear from Nathan. Nathan, thank you for joining me. I know this is this is late in the evening, but I'm I'm excited to have this chat. You've been with Ruger Firearms for 13 years, and I'm really intrigued by how you're using video with a brand like that. Could you tell us a bit about the company to, just to start? Sure. So Sturm Ruger is a, a firearms company. They're the largest manufacturer of firearms in the United States. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, we, we're not as old as, say, like the other companies, say, like uh, the, the brand names of like Smith & Wesson or Springfield. We are in the, you said you had spent some time in Western Massachusetts. We are amongst the, uh, the Connecticut gun belt sort of thing that's been historically the, the manufacturer of, of firearms within the United States. That's obviously morphed and gone across the United States. But originally, we, we started in Southport, Connecticut, <coughs> excuse me, and then moved up in, that was in 1949, and then moved into Newport, New Hampshire with investment castings. And, and Mr. Ruger was the first first gun manufacturer to use investment castings, which is an age-old uh, method of making firearms. Uh, and so that was kind of like a, a, a huge step. And from then on, I think he, with, with Sturm, he started the company with Sturm, who invested the initial $50,000, and they have never borrowed another dollar since. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So it's a, it's a solid company. It's a solid yeah. company. I think we were finally went public. I, I'm not totally going to get the date right on this. It's sometime in the 80s, 86 or something like that, 84. Yeah. Sometime when I was like in, I don't know, junior high, high school. But. So, it's a, so it's on solid foundations. And a question I, I wanted to ask is, like, what has 2020 looked like for, for a company like this? I mean, it, it's, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Have you seen much change in in your market and how you kind of go to market since all of this has happened? To tell you the truth, since COVID has started, it's really taken effect on not so much sales. It's really taken effect on, on, the, on the management, how, how things are run. And basically, like with any business, I would suspect, you know, we're doing much more Zoom meetings. Every, if you can work from home, you're working from home. Right. I took, I had a couple edit bays in my office. So I, I, left one there and I, I brought one home and that's where I am now. My wife's office is right there and, and my office is right here. Uh, so anytime I'm in the office, my, my boss is usually chastising me for being there. He's like, what are you doing? I just stay home and you can edit there. But there's, there's, there's times where you have to, I have to go in. Uh, that's, that's where uh, uh, all my archival footage is. That's where our studio is. So, but personally it's, it's, I can, I can, edit here just as easily. I just don't have, with a large company, I mean, obviously our bandwidth is much larger, so we can move move product a lot easier. Uh, right now, the company is, uh, like I said, in Southport, that's our corporate office. We are also in Newport, New Hampshire, which is our largest uh, branch. And we're also in uh, uh, Mayard in North Carolina and in Prescott, Arizona. And we also have some satellite divisions, a little smaller, that kind of feed the main, the main company. So 
it's a, it's it's got a lot of a lot of bandwidth within it. So oh, cool. And so yeah, there's there's probably a lot of like your it's not remote work necessarily, but the teams aren't all together all the time anyway. So it's not like this is a completely new thing for everyone. Right. Yeah. Actually, our marketing company that we've used historically, um, I want to say starting in the late 90s, is actually out in Fairport, New York. They were kind of rolled up into the company back in, I believe it was uh, 2015. 2015, I think they were 16, they were rolled into the company. <laughs> Excuse me. There's a little, little frog um, in my throat. Yeah. So then they, they never move. They're still in Fairport. That's, that's where that whole team works. They often have to travel to Southport to corporate or, or to uh, any of our, our shows that we put on. So um, they're, they're, they're pretty mobile, but yeah. So a lot of this, we've, we've been doing the, the, the conference stuff, WebEx for, for years. So. Yeah. Nathan, I'm just going to pause for a second. I'm getting a lot of like mic noise. Is it, um, do you have headphones? Sorry about that. It might be my, I've, I've got the COVID beard going here. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll just try and hold it away from my, no, that's all right. my, sorry. my wife says I need to actually trim it, but. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. Well, I, I can't. Everybody's wearing a mask. So no, I can't either. So if I turn to the side, it looks really shabby. But <laughs> not too funny. All right, sorry, sorry to pull you up on that one. No worries. So, so it's the team's been kind of working remotely anyway. So that's not a big shift. Has there been any change in uh, on the consumer side? Any additional interest in? Oh, the markets. Yeah. Sales have just been going crazy ever since COVID. And it's kind of a, it's, it's not the, the, the greatest thing within the gun industry. I mean, anytime there's a doubt or fear or loathing, <laughs> there's always uptick in gun sales. Right. Um, and it's really funny because with not funny, but peculiar because with COVID and the downturn in the economy, you still have an uptick in gun sales. And you just kind of think like, where is the money coming from for people to have, you know, extra money to actually purchase firearms. But it, we, it, it doesn't matter. Traditionally, our sales have always been more along the hunting line, you know, not that we've been s- slow to get into the personal defense. We've actually been doing that more or less in the past decade and a half, but whereas yeah. other companies have kind of gone on that bandwagon uh, well before. So, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what product you have. If you had a, a cap and ball um, uh, revolver and, and it was on the, on the, uh, table for sale, it would sell. So right now it's, yeah, sales are going like gangbusters. So th- that was the other peculiar part of it too. I mean, as far as us and, and marketing and, and video production, we've actually slowed, you know, as far as like new product. Yeah. My work has been, been pretty light for the past couple of months. We really haven't been bringing a lot of new product to market because we haven't had to, we've been basically trying to, you know, trim lines, make sure that, you know, production processes are, are running the way we want them. And because a lot of our engineers are, have gone remote as well with a, with a new port alone. I mean, we think we had 80 engineers and, and, you know, you've got manufacturing as well as design. And a lot of the design guys are home. Manufacturing guys have to spend obviously the time within the line and the guys on the line. So, but uh, yeah, so that's been kind of like where the bulk of the company has been concentrated. Hmm. So I, I was having a look through your your Instagram feed and saw that there's you've got you've got competition teams and, and whatnot and it looks like I, mm-hmm. I see I see big grins up and down the whole Instagram feed and I, I'm I'm really interested to hear like so guns it's like it's like serious fun right like so it's, it's yeah 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 I know I know people have a lot of fun with them hunting's great competitions are great but it's also like a very serious kind of 
thing, isn't it? Like just gun ownership and, and being a custodian of, of weapons like that. How do you, is there, is there some sort of like balance that you try to strike in the communications that you're putting out the videos and everything? Totally. So originally why I was brought on, I started in 2007, was more along the service side of things. We were just trying to tighten up. Ruger is really known for having really good service department. Mm -hmm. They're very approachable. And as far as like anything that is design wise uh, with the product, if there's a failure with it or I mean, things happen. I mean, you know, within the chain, things happen. So we always try to make it right. But with that, some designs were older and and folks were having trouble uh, getting them back together once they take them apart. It's a funny thing about gun. (laughs) They like get a gun and they want to take it apart. Maybe to clean it, maybe not, but maybe they've never shot it. But anyways, so that's originally what I was brought on for. It's just basically doing technical videos of saying like, Hmm. this is how you put your gun back together after you've (laughs) disassembled, disassembled it. So from there, we really, my, my first boss, we really tried to do more informational based video for the web, for TV. That was really important. And we, and we used professionals. Uh, we didn't have a professional team at the time, but you know, we used law enforcement professionals or trainers and stuff like that through connections of my original boss who'd been with Smith and Wesson and been in the industry for a long time and was really well known. So anyways, Ken and I really it was really important for us to try and, and do more things on safety and to address those populations that were kind of coming in the new purchases. I think at the time, say like, like 2009, 2010, like the demographic of like females from like, yeah. I don't know, say like 20 to, to 30 were like the, the bulk of the, of the, of the new buyers for firearms. And we were like, wow, hmm. like who are their mentors for like, just learning how to actually properly use a gun and be safe with it. How do you, how do you uh, make sure that when they take that product home, they know what to do with it and how to keep it safe and, and, and how to actually handle the product. So that was kind of what we started to do right away with COVID and the uptick of sales. Yes, that is actually right now. That's what we're working on right now um, is trying to do just some basic um, going back you know, because some of those things are dated, and and some of that, some of those things are old as far as uh, ten ten years old by now. We're just trying to freshen that up. Maybe do a, a more of a beginner type. This is how you're uh, safe gun handling, basically. Because when it comes down to it, you're not selling a. I mean, a lot of the products we sell are products that people take out to competitions, take out for hunting. You know, we do sell personal defense, but. It's not like we're trying to teach people to hurt those around them or right. we want to make sure that their things go safe. And that's not just for the lawyers either, which yeah. <laughs> makes their makes their life a lot easier when, you know, things don't go bad. Yeah. I think the, so. two things that I kind of took away from that is that I find really interesting is, is one, providing that good customer service. It's a, mm-hmm. like self-service and customer service is a big thing, you know, especially these days where people don't want to be kind of, a lot of people don't want to talk to anybody. So having the videos there, Hmm. To, to address like how do you put your gun back together <laughs> now that it's in a piece yeah. on the tabletop <laughs> yeah. assuming i can just picture it some guy standing over the table going uh-oh um, yeah where does the spring go whipping out the phone yeah exactly like wait i've got leftover pieces um <laughs> trying to <laughs> scrambling on youtube to figure out how to like, where did i go wrong um, yeah. that, that's an awesome awesome approach and it's i mean it, it helps 
you too, whereas, you know, you don't have to provide that customer care, but it's, it's getting ahead of the game, I guess. And I think that's really an exciting way of using the video. And also you mentioned like being a mentor for people. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a really powerful way to powerful story to take out is who, who is your mentor in this space? And I think that's a really, a really interesting way of looking at it. Like, that's your response. You're taking that responsibility on yourselves to say, Hey, if you don't know any better, here's how, here's how you handle this thing. Here's how you clean this thing. Here's, you know, like, let us go along with you. Um, sure. That's sure. really exciting. Um, you mentioned like females 20, 20 to like 35 or a growing demographic. Has that, has that changed how you communicate out at all? Well, I mean, originally just using that, that example that I, I don't think that purchasing demographic has really changed all that much. I think there's still a lot of like young female purchases of firearms. And I'm not sure if that's the fastest demographic. I mean, heck we're 10 or a decade beyond that, but I, I haven't checked those numbers with the marketing team, but yeah. So th- those are things we kind of think about as far as who's buying guns and, and 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 the one thing we want to get across too is this is a video that's not gonna that does not replace getting personal training from someone face to face in anything you do it can be skiing because you're not going to pick it up watching a video yeah. doing photoshop whatever whatever you're trying to learn it's always best to kind of get on it and with somebody and have them kind of go through it with you but anyways I, it's 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 as far as like the We've actually been using more of the team, I think, which is good because if you look at the team now, Paul Pluff, who's, who's the, the manager of the team now for, for Ruger, has been doing a good job as far as putting guys, to get, guys and girls together. We've got some, you know, some, and they're all really good shots. Yeah. <laughs> they're, and they're good. The thing is, too, they're really, which is really nice. Is, and and this goes, I want to say this about the management at Ruger, too, from the top to the bottom team to the, you know, everybody's actually really pretty cool. They're, they're just really good people when it comes down to it. Talking with them, it's just, it's nice to see as far as like a, within the management and also the, the, the shooters are super approachable. Yeah. So if you have questions, I mean, they're just, they're just guys when it comes down to it. They're like, used to be a carpenter. Now he shoots professionally kind of thing. So, or, you know, she used to, but it's obviously they, they worked at it for a long time. You know, oh, he's a, a we've got one guy that is an engineer and he's definitely the the math brain kind of guy, and he kind of like breaks it all down. This is like, and, but he's really fun to talk to, as far as a shooter. Actually, most of the engineers are shooters too, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a, I'm just a video guy. <laughs> Different kind of shooting, I suppose. That's exactly. And it's kind of always awkward to be in the factory and say, "Oh, we got to shoot this," and like, "Oh, I'm the guy. I got a camera, man." It's like, no. <laughs> You see a lot of <laughs> ready and willing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, you you mentioned in the the pre interview that uh, I'll quote you. You said we communicate directly with the customer, which was not the norm in the industry for many. Right? Could you go into that a little bit? What do you mean by communicating directly with the customer? So that CEO was fairly new to the company. He had just transitioned from being a family run organization, Bill Jr. Ruger, sorry, Bill Ruger Jr. had just left the company. And so they had just brought in uh, a new CEO and he was from the plumbing industry. 
but actually he was a, a nuclear submarine commander for years before that. So he was pretty intense. He's a, wow. but he, he was, so he, he was used to working with people in close quarters and from the plumbing industry, I think he was only there for a short amount of time. He brought the idea of like, before, like Mr. Ruger was always like, I, I know what the customer wants and they want what I make. <laughs> That was his philosophy, and he was pretty right. You know, he was very instrumental in bringing a lot of products that had single-shot hunting rifle, which was a very elegant, very beautiful firearm as single shot. Mm. Most guys don't want to just have one shot. They want to have multiple, right, because they're not sure. But anyways, he was instrumental in bringing guns back to life and designs back to life that had been out. So, But Mike Pfeiffer, who came on and was the CEO – decided that he really wanted to know the industry inside now. And, and so he was the kind of guy that would sit down with everybody and just absorb anything they had to say because he wanted to know. Mm. And uh, one thing he implemented was voice of the customer. So basically f- under- wanted to know if you had a question, you could contact direct to the CEO and ask him a question. And along with that also, we did over-the-counter sort of things where we were just going to the, a shop and just sit behind the counter and talk to people. Mm. And so that that's where you kind of get to know your public, obviously the people that are purchasing your product and coming in and have, asking questions. And, and so that, that's, that's where that comes from. That's really, that's really cool. And I see that on the website too, it's got the tell the CEOs. I, I think that that's, that's continued and really, I'm assuming that just opens up these lines of communication with people that you you probably get a lot of uptake on that, I'm assuming? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the CEO now, Chris Colloy, is uh, this, the same way. I mean, he really wants to know what – if you have a concern, then then get back to him. And it's funny. So if it's if it's in my field, you know, I'll get an email straight from Chris, and he'll be like, what's up with this? Or, you know, can you check this out? Can we do something about this? Or whatever. And, and whoever, whatever t- part of the team that that, that particular email is applicable to, he will just, you know, send that on and say, hey, let's get this fixed. Yeah, that's really great. You also mentioned in that in that quote, like there were many reasons for maybe companies not doing that. What what were some of those reasons? Maybe just aside from like the the Steve Jobs esque kind of CEO that says I know, or the like the Henry Ford. If they ask if you know, like I'm going to they they'd want a faster horse. I'm going to give them a car, sort of thing. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you you, get, you know, I mean, you, so we'll put out a, a product or something like that, and. There'll always be the comments on YouTube or whatever where you oh I'm not gonna buy that product until it has this or that or it has a, a blue fangled da 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 and it's just like I'll wait for that one and then just like okay whatever but it might not ever happen so it's you know I mean there's those sorts of of, of CEO things you get like there's always a suggestion like oh they should have done it this way and it's like well maybe there's a manufacturing reason why you can't do it that way. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe we just didn't think of it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so you always get that. But whatever. Oh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we tried we we to put out, I mean, Ruger's always tried to put out the most robust product. It's, always, it's, it's got a reputation for being overbuilt. Uh, hopefully we've carried that on. Mr. That was more of a Mr. Ruger legacy sort of lines. Was, was, everything was way overbuilt. So if you buy a product, you're probably handing it down to your great grandson because it's still going to work, yeah. which is, which is kind of nice. I have to say, I admire companies that take that approach, though, where quality still counts. It's not, we want you to buy one this year and next year and the year after that because the old one broke already. Um, or 
you took it apart on your kitchen table and can't figure out how to put it together and then you buy a new one. But I think that's a really interesting philosophy to take that like we're going to overdo it, overcommit, maybe not overcommit, but just deliver more than what you need. Um, exactly. And that's, that's also within the new products that we're putting out now. It's, it's, a, it's, well, we just put out a thing called the, 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 well, it's basically a, a, a 57. It's a cartridge that was developed by FN. And, and we just saw a market there that a projectile that was underused and in a system that was overpriced and was kind of clunky and awkward. And so we said, okay, how can we just do this better and just come in at a price where people will be interested hmm. in it? And so what we produced was something that is kind of shoots like a 1022 it, it it has little recoil and it has you can hold 20 rounds I'm obviously within Australia this is not possible but for target it's awesome because the muzzle never moves all that much so you can I mean you you right out of the right out of the box you're like a rock star you can hit a metal target and just like bing 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 you know and, and it's kind of fun I'm, like I said I'm not a shooter but obviously when we do video shoots I'll I'll shoot the guns and and uh, get to do that kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of fun that way. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a different on the job experience than, <laughs> than most videographers would get, you know, yeah, yeah, it's shooting two ways, looking back through the catalog of videos on, on YouTube. And you mentioned this earlier that the, the first videos were sort of like that technical more the technical side, the videos yep. look like they've matured a bit and you've started trying to well, not trying, but doing like live stream and a different format to the videos. What's the, what's that process been like for you? Uh, like spearheading that, like what's the maturation look like? What, what was the thinking behind um, moving more towards um, like showing the team more? And to me, it looks like more of a personal touch. Is that accurate? Yeah, well, there was a there was a change within within the organization, so that that's probably more of that. Before we were doing more television, we were doing more series on 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 YouTube. There were uh, some of them fairly long, and and a lot of that, some of that production has never even seen the light of day. It just it was a change within the administration of of the the teams, and and then also within uh, television. I mean, we just figured that paying these exorbitant contracts for television just really wasn't worth it when we could, you know, be using YouTube and, and Apple TV and, and other you know, forms of communication to get with our public. So that's been kind of like that, that, that. That's why that's been that change up there. Yeah. That's an interesting shift. And so are you leaning more heavily on video as, as a whole? And now that you have access to platforms like YouTube that has a big reach, is that the direction that you're kind of going in? No, I would say not. <laughs> it's been more of a rub, I guess. And we don't need to go down that road. But yeah, no, I think as far as like communication through video and, and what we've been doing there, I think it's been less of that. It's been more, I've been doing more in-house stuff. I mean, I've always done in-house stuff. I've always done like recruitment videos for HR or, or I've been doing like tech videos or we've been doing analysis videos for, for, for engineering. But even that's dried up because it's like engineers are like, Oh, we can just get a, a whatever camera and throw it on a tripod. And I was like, yeah, you can do it. This. this isn't that hard. You guys, I mean, you don't need to call me over every time you got to figure out the flow of a particular metal or whatever. But yeah. So yeah. So we've always been doing that in house too. So, but right now we're pretty much just focusing on, on, feature feature what we call feature videos which is just like explain explanatory videos of of, of new products and and whatnot 
Okay. And something else in the pre-interview is you mentioned that you'd like to talk about benefits of video, not only in marketing, but also for the end viewer. What did you have in mind there? Whoa, what was I thinking there? That must have been a late <laughs> night. <laughs> benefits of the uh, video. Well, I mean, gosh, look, just look at anything on, on uh, any of these services from Vimeo to, to YouTube or whatever. I mean, for the end viewer, the amount of information that's out there is just, it's, it, it's just endless, really. I mean, take any topic. It doesn't have to be, it could be anything, yeah. really. I mean, you just, I'm a, I'm a skier and a mountain biker and a runner as well. That's how I kind of like get my, get my uh, exercise, get and clear my head. But jeez, uh, you get on YouTube and, and what these guys are doing now. With, I just saw a beautiful one uh, a couple weeks ago where this, kid is doing a race drone and following a pro mountain biker through the forests of like BC Columbia. And my goodness, I mean, the skill, the skill level is just off the charts. And, and so for the end user to see something like that and see the one thing is, is kind of cool that is what was on YouTube. I mean, usually you'd see something like that on Vimeo, but just, the, the, just up, upping the game all the time, or just the explanatory videos, uh, you know, of guys, kind of like that are a really high level and then just trying to just explain like what they're doing, how they're doing it. And uh, just giving that up for free, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of the medium. So you mentioned that you're a runner. I saw on LinkedIn that you were the first person to run a 75 mile trail in a single day. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah, (laughs) that was a, that was a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 75 miles in a day. So, um, yeah. What's well, the we story there? What, what, what pushed you to do that? Well, my wife and I had lived out in Utah for many years and uh, we had kind of gotten into ultra running with some friends yeah. and uh, coming back East, originally from New Hampshire, coming back East, we were just looking for stuff to do. And, and there was just within our, our neighborhood here, the, the trail was, was accessible. And I just kind of said, heck, that's a, it's a really easy trail to train on because there's places where you can stop at stores and refuel. And so you can put together 30, 40 mile runs. Yeah. And uh, I was just at a race one day up in, up in Vermont and sitting, sitting down afterwards and said, I think I'm going to run that. I'm going to do that. Awesome. And it was, well, it was easy because she was pregnant with her second child. So oh. I could take her training hours, you know, so it kind of worked out. <laughs> I used, she was, she was out of commission for a little bit, so it all worked out. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and I'm still kind of doing that. If you notice, like, uh, I don't know if you know what, uh, FKTs are, which are fastest known times. Oh yes. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they've been kind of going off the charts here with COVID and whatnot and everybody's doing a, you know, my FKT in my living room kind of thing. So (laughs) I've seen that. Yeah. How many laps of the backyard can you do? Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Just, I think I'd rather stick a fork in my head, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's one good thing. It's like trail running is always changing and whatnot. So yeah. So hopefully get a few more of those, but it's getting harder. You know, people are getting super creative. Yeah, that's true. Well, kind of on that creative thing, this is, this is a really interesting thing to me is, you know, as a creative person yourself, having these outlets, how important is that to you to kind of just turn off a bit and not have to be constantly thinking about, you know, just what else can I be doing? The creative things that you're always doing. I I find that, you know, people that are in this space that are creatives, not necessarily have trouble turning it off, but unless they separate themselves from it might 
not turn it off. Did, so do you find that to be the case? And is that where running kind of fills a? Yeah, especially, yeah, especially trail running. I'm not so much road running because road running, I can kind of, you know, piece together thoughts and whatnot. And you, that's where you can kind of drill down in and, and think about stuff. Uh, Cause you're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. You can't really do that. And especially in new England, the trail running is, is really rooty and tough and rocky. And if you're doing that, you're going to end up on your keister. So I, gen- I try to, you know, cause I was thinking, I was just out for a run before this, but I was just trying to think about, okay, I got to shoot tomorrow. Cause how, what are we going to change up? What are we going to be doing different here? And those thoughts last for five seconds. <laughs> and you're thinking, <laughs> so it's a little tougher. So I like that because you kind of get into that zone and just kind of block things out. And that's, that's, I think for me, just kind of resets the headspace. Yeah. I think that's a really important lesson to take away. I mean, especially, I know I'm finding these days where, you know, the office is 10 steps from the bedroom. It's difficult to not duck in and check my email or, you know, my phone's still in my back pocket, whichever room I'm in. And I'm constantly thinking like, Oh, what else could I be doing right now? And (laughs) you don't need to optimize every minute of the day. And so sometimes I find that going out for a run helps me distance myself from that. So I'm just kind of curious that I'm, I'm finding that with more and more people as I talk to them that, it's there needs to be a break or else you almost mentally have a have a breakdown where it's just becomes too much so i'm i'm fascinated by what people are doing to kind of give themselves a mental break and how important yeah, yeah. it's always been a good balance in my life i've kind of kept that side of things it's a, it's always been an important part of my life so yeah and do you have any more ultras planned? I mean, are you, what's the, what's the status there now? Can you go out and do big runs or do you have to stay close to home with the COVID stuff? You know, originally when COVID hit, we were, my wife is a hospice and palliative physician. So we were pretty much sticking to the rules. Uh, A lot of people didn't around here and, you know, up in the white mountains, they had a lot of issues with, with just overcrowding and, and, uh, and you're just putting stress on the system. It just wasn't fair to others. And it wouldn't have been fair to bring something home and, you know, she's a physician within a physician pool and take her out. It's not fair to the other physicians within that pool. So I think we stuck to it pretty strictly until last weekend. (laughs) 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 And then we met some friends up in Maine and we did like four days of bike riding on the coast. So then we were like, yeah, so we just kind of let loose. And and it was very awkward, I got to tell you. It was really weird. Well, yeah, because a lot of them, I mean, they're most of them are professionals and some, and quite a few medical professionals and whatnot. And it's just, I just, yeah, you can see how like the adults kind of the inhibition comes off. And after, you know, a couple of beers after riding and you're just like, Hey, everybody's hanging out and and chilling and getting closer than six feet. And like, how are the college kids going to do this? How are the, you know, high school kids going to be able to do this? I don't even know. Of course there's no alcohol involved. Right. Um, no. <laughs> Not um, in my so experience anyway. I'll, I'll stick to that story for now. Yeah, yeah for make sure your kids are listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, it was we we were pretty pretty good about sticking to it, and, and the kids have been really good too. And I got to tell you, and I feel bad about this. It's been really actually kind of nice. Just the family kind of centering around the home a lot more, and just being able to spend more time. Our kids are kind of getting on in, in high school with my daughter's last year. So it's been nice kind of like not having to just being together bit more, yeah. you know? So even if it is watching hockey or whatever we do, you know, I'd say, yeah, if there's a silver lining to it, I, I know we 
we went through that as well with the kids at home. It's it, at first was a bit stressful, but then realized that it's actually nice to have them around and it changes the dynamic a little bit, but yeah. in the midst of a crazy world, you can at least provide them with something nice and stable at home and make it a bit easier for them. But hey, it's interesting days and hopefully this doesn't last too long and you can get out for some more exercise and runs and rides and all that sort of stuff. The last thing I just want to ask is, so any listeners that want to go check out what you're up to, where would you like them to go and, and have a look? Uh, you can just get us on YouTube, probably in Ruger or on the website, uh, which is Ruger.com. We've just file on the menu and there's, we've got pretty much every video that we've done. I don't know, there's hundreds and hundreds of them dating back to, you know, 2009 yeah. <laughs> when we were shooting like with a single camera in a sweaty old factory and <laughs> with big, big semis rolling by in the background. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this content and want to learn more about how to leverage video for your business, for yourself, please head over to dearvideo.com, sign up to receive our video marketing playbooks where we go deep into the strategies, the tactics, the processes, and even the tools that you can use to make the right video at the right time so that you can grow your business and connect with your audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Give Dear Video a rating. We'd love to hear from you, and the feedback is always important to us. Thanks so much for listening. Go make some awesome video. And until next time, see ya.